another wonderful Sunday. Well, you're all welcome to be here this morning. And uh, just one announcement. Mel, if I have this right, uh, Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, going to be a little yard work done here at the church. Uh, six o'clock, six in the evening, something like that, since the days are getting a little longer. So it won't be a long day if you have the opportunity to come and help clean up a little bit around the, the property, make it look nice. We would appreciate it. Uh, Mel's going to be the taskmaster, and uh, he already has his whip, and uh, he's ready to go. So this Wednesday, if you have the time. Uh, isn't, the, isn't the front of the sanctuary beautiful? Look at all the different flowers that God makes. Such attention to detail. Goldie, Goldie and Nancy and Christine. Who else? Elaine? Did you help Elaine? Marion? Uh, all the women in the church helped. Oh, yeah. Well, somebody had to keep the women going. I mean, it, you know, if Goldie and Marion were here, they, they would spend too much time talking. So, but, yeah. Oh, Harriet, I'm sorry. I got the name wrong. I got the name wrong. But thank you, ladies. It looks beautiful. It's, it's just such a nice tribute to our Savior. That's great. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Sandy's going to be here this coming week. So he'll... Because he doesn't do anything else. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks very really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Well, okay. Uh, I think that takes care of our announcements. <clears throat> and uh, let's look at our joys and concerns. And uh, they're listed on your, your bulletin on the, the prayer ministry guide. You'll notice that this week uh, we're praying for one of our sister churches, and I was missing this before, and I'm glad somebody pointed it out. I think Davey pointed it out to me. But uh, this uh, about the listing of the church that we should be praying for in our district. And this week it's Wyomissing. And uh, Pastor Janice Glass, or King, excuse me, Glass, Janice Glass King is the pastor there. So we will remember to pray for, for that church along with the individuals. Christine, do you have any updates that you need to, to give? Okay, let me get my disguise on here. In the, in the bulletin, there's a little notation on the first page of our prayer guide 
that Harry Bricker lost his home due to a fire, which was on Tuesday, not Wednesday. This happened Tuesday. It was a terrible tragedy. But thank the Lord, Harry's life was spared and saved by a neighbor who was driving by that saw that the house was on fire because it was on the other side, on his side porch where the fire started. And none of us saw that right away. We saw smoke but didn't know what was happening. And the neighbor went in through the flames, got Harry out. He was standing in the kitchen with two glasses of water, one in each hand, thinking he's going to put the fire out well. I think by that time he was in shock. Yeah. Yeah. Neighbor got him out, absolute miracle, and by the grace of God that our homes were saved. Harry owns the house right next to him that his daughter Sally lives in. Everyone knows Sally. And her house, she was able to go back in by 7.30, quarter of 8 that evening. The fireman had gave the permission for her to go back in her house. It was safe. Their little garage, though, beside it, the roof was burnt and all the contents in it. And Harry's house, now the front porch is standing and the very front of the house, like the frame, is up yet. But it's all totally gutted. But that house, is, the whole property there was very, very long. It was a huge three-car garage. Well, that was all contained. His three cars were totally destroyed. And then there was a very large family room that they had, they had put on in the years. And that's gone. And, and then the kitchen. And then it's into a dining room in the, in the living room. So the living room is, the walls are up yet, you know. But it's all totally, it, it was horrible. It was horrible as, as a standing by watching, and you can do nothing but pray and cry, which we did a lot of, hugging each other and praying and praying, praying for the firemen to come. When you're watching something like that and the wind was blowing, it's just blowing right across our houses, we didn't know. We just did not know what's happening. It's just by the grace of God that all of us were saved, really. Yeah. Yeah. That we didn't even have to evacuate our home or Sally. She had to, they couldn't be in her house, of course, but it was a terrible, terrible tragedy. But the, the miracle of that Harry's alive. Yeah. Had the neighbor not seen, why do these things happen? God is there. Yeah. God, it's just a miracle. Yeah. Another way to explain it. Oh, it's very sad, and and they need our prayers very much, the whole family, very much, in more ways than one, due to the fire, due to Harry was born and raised in that house, never left that house all his life. It's all he knew, all he ever knew. His mother died when he was born. Grandparents raised him in that house. That house was given to him when Grandpa died. So it's just, Harry's okay. He's with his son, David and Tammy living in Palmero on East Maple Street where they live. He's being taken care of that way, but it's he has not been out. I talked to Dave yesterday, and he was going to come out Friday to see the house again, and they didn't. They haven't been back yet. But Harry, it's going to be very, very hard. Yeah. It's going to be a very difficult. Harry's 85 years old. He's not really dementia, but he's not quite, because this all happened from him putting a towel in the microwave, the towel started to smoke. 
He carried it out and put it on the side porch on a glider. But it was windy enough that whatever happened, it just went up in flames. That's all we know, and it's that, that's a story he told the fire chief. He must have had the towel rolled up. We don't know. He carried it out in his hands. So he, and he was hot. not burnt. Totally. It must have been hot inside. Yeah, not a, not a mark no, on him. No flame, just smoke. I got stories, I got calls afterwards saying he was carried out of the house on a stretcher and he's in the hospital and all this stuff. No, totally not true. So, yes, I have, um, there were uh, updates on our prayer guide and I have one here and then Karen, uh, Donna had called me, Karen Bechtel. I mean, Karen has enough on her plate now dealing with her mother-in-law. Yeah. Karen has a toe that needs surgery done on it, okay. April 14. Okay. So poor Karen, okay, she's having tests done. She had an EKG done, and the results were problems. I'm going to say blockage on the right side in, I don't know if it was the lung or the heart. But a follow-up, she has to have an echo done tomorrow at a Harrisburg hospital. Karen does. It's Is it? Okay. Yeah, and it's at 9.30 tomorrow. Okay. All right. Well, then Donna has that update with that. And Cordia, the mother-in-law, tomorrow is having a bone graft done at Hershey Med Center. So these people, their plate's full. You know, enough is enough. They need our prayers very much. There's a lot going on there. They're trying to take care of her in her home, Cordia, and it, it's, well, sad. <laughs> so that's the prayers. Lots of prayers here, and, you know, just keep everyone in your prayers, I'm telling you. Anyone, everyone that's on this prayer guide, it's so important. So many needs. Yeah, absolutely. Else, Nancy? Last Sunday, I showed the prayer shawls that Mary Baker had right. made. And Shirley and Gary took the purple one, the different layers of purple, to Earl and Joyce last Sunday. And she mailed this thank you note. She said, it was an off day for me Sunday. And when I put the prayer shawl over me, I felt an immediate peace. My prayer when I made the shawls is that they feel all that God intends for them. Now I realize how true that is and felt at peace with my circumstances and the future. May God bless you both for extending God's love through this prayer shawl. I will always be grateful. Joyce, have a blessed Easter. And Earl and Joyce, I believe they said got their COVID vaccine. And when the two weeks are up, they do want to come back. And Betsy Swisher, when she learned from Mary that we got her prayer shawls, Betsy said, well, I have bags of them. I've been making them. So I brought 13 prayer shawls that Betsy Swisher crocheted. Wow. And they're in the library now that can be sent to families. Wow. And maybe one even to Harry. Yeah. And then last Sunday, we asked to send birthday cards to Marge Landon. And I had sent a birthday card. I sent a Christmas card. I've been sending cards. And both Christine and I got notes back from the family. Marge passed away. And I looked online. It really was sad. I feel terrible. She died three years ago. Oh, 
So I will write a letter to the family with sincere apologies. No one ever sent cards back to us or any notes in the years I've been sending, but. You know, that's strange because her son comes into my shop every once in a while, not on a regular basis, maybe once every month or so, and he never said a thing. Good grief. Oh my gosh. Well, that is a shock. Anyone else? Or is that enough? <laughs> oh, oh, Eleanor. Just to keep tying in your prayers, he had COVID probably four weeks ago. A week ago, he found out there were seven people that shipped to Harrisburg Dairies are going to lose their milk market with Harrisburg Dairies. He was at the doctor's on Tuesday, and he was there again on Friday and talked to the emergency room yesterday. He has, coat, uh, he has shingles, and now it came down across his eye. So he was coming just as we left, and I said, is it better? Well, I don't think it's any worse, but it doesn't look too good. So they want to keep track of what's going on. They said if he starts having blurry vision, he's supposed to get up there right away. So, okay, thank you. <clears throat> Shingles are not a fun thing. virus, I think, isn't it? Isn't shingles a virus? It's related to measles. Chickenpox. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Well, moving on, we have a responsive reading. We haven't done one for a while, so this is, this is good, and this is a good one. Uh, we're going to look at the responsive reading on uh, page 214. If you'll stand with us. It's short, and then uh, once we're done with the responsive reading on 214, then we're going to stay standing and we're going to sing uh, number 222. This responsive reading is entitled, He is Risen, Alleluia. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. He is not here. He is risen, 
just as he said. Amen. Let's go to number 222. To see the worship leader try to figure it out. That, he's comic relief, see? And we need that. You know. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. You cannot... Uh, do worship services for for nigh on to 50 years and do everything by the book. I wonder how many really big goofs I have made. One Sunday, just to let you know, Mike, it, it almost always happens with offerings. One Sunday, I got to the end of the service, you know, and C.J. Hawker was the, the treasurer of that church. I even remember his name. As far as I know, he's still living. He's close to 100, yeah. Anyway, C.J. says, Sandy, before you do the, the uh, benediction, don't you think we ought to take the offering? I, I just missed it all together, you know. I just went on, and the organist didn't do anything. And I go, oh, what? yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> then there was another Sunday that, you know, I was trying to direct, never try to direct the, the, the ushers. Let the ushers do it. But I was trying to direct. Well, this one guy complained to me after the service. She says, you know, they passed the, the offering plate down my row three times. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. This stuff really happens. So, <laughs> Well, what a joy to be in the house of the Lord today. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here. It's a joy, Lord, just to be in the house of the Lord and to praise your holy name, Lord. Let us uh, begin in the scripture today uh, by going to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What you find 1 Corinthians 15? And other than the gospel accounts, um, each of the gospels, you know, there's a lot of stories where one gospel will pick up on it or maybe two there's a number of stories uh, about the Lord Jesus that are in maybe three of the Gospels. Um, but all four Gospels uh, give an account of the resurrection. And um, throughout the day, I just encourage you to go back and read those. And, uh, but, but when you talk about, now what is the significance of the resurrection? Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 here is as clear of an expression of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that is not in the Gospels, but in the Epistles. This is Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Um, and it is, it, you know, when, when you get to a point where you're looking at the death of a loved one, and now how do I, how do I feel about this? 
you know, and, and the feelings that we can have. And, you know, sometimes we control our feelings and sometimes we don't understand. Like I, there was a lady, I'm telling on myself today, <laughs> Roxy Weikert. I can, it's amazing I can remember her name. Roxy Weikert. Lady in Ohio, she was, I don't know if I've ever heard her, her say anything nice. <laughs> her husband, was, what a sweet man. What a godly man. I don't think I ever heard him complain about her. <laughs> but I remember Roxy died and, and some people said, oh, what a relief. But, but, and, and we're here, you know, and the funeral was at the funeral home, which was right across the street from the church, so I, I never could figure that one out, you know. <laughs> anyway, so there's Roxy in the, in the casket, and I lose it. I mean, buckets of tears in Oh, and I didn't particularly like the lady. <laughs> and, uh, but the funeral director, listen, he had been around probably 40 some years at that point. And he says, uh, he said, now you know what's going on. I go, no. He said, who does she remind you of? And her physical appearance, it was her, not, not her being sort of an obnoxious kind of person, okay? Her physical appearance, that I go, oh, my grandmother. And he said to me, you never cried at your grandmother's funeral, did you? Well, I did that day. <laughs> and some of the family maybe thought I was crying for Roxy. Uh, I guess somebody needed, I guess the Lord worked that out so somebody would cry at Roxy's passing, you know. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, this, this is when, when you get to a point uh, in your life where that happens to you and, and you find tears of grief in the, in the passing of a loved one. This is a wonderful passage to read. And it calls you, uh, in some regards, out of yourself and saying, you know, it's not about me. What is it about? It's about this Savior who came into this world, born of a virgin, walked amongst us humans as a human, for, for a number of years. And then after that period of time, died on the cross in our place. And that there, there is what he did in laying down his life, willingly saying before the heavenly father, father, not what I want. Father, I want your will. And nobody took his life 
from him. He laid down his life for you and me, willingly. And in that is such good news. And we have to proclaim it again. In fact, there, how many points do I got today? You know, it takes about, about uh, 20 minutes per point, and I got, I got to see how many points I got. I got 10 points. Yeah, just do the math. <laughs> I, telling stories of myself. The lady at the Oregon in Ohio, <clears throat> she noticed that my whole family was out of town and I was there by myself. She told me this a couple weeks later. She said, you know, Sandy, that Sunday when, when you were all by yourself, he, she says, I was all prepared to invite you home for lunch with my husband and me, but you went on and on and on. And she says, I knew the whole thing was burnt. <laughs> and so, she, she says, yeah, it was, it was burnt. And, and she says, I was not going to invite you home for peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> Yeah, well, you think I would learn sometime, you know? Let's uh, read this passage, and this passage I just want to read from the top of the passage down to about verse 22. Yes, down to verse 22. And uh, just to read it first without any com comment at all. But... Uh, on this Sunday that we celebrate the resurrection to really as much as possible to let this soak in, to soak into our mind, but let it touch our feelings, let it soak in way down in the Holy of Holies where the Lord dwells in us, all right? Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you also are saved. That gospel, he's saying that gospel saves you. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, Unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And we had a wonderful example of that in the Sunday school lesson this morning, Isaiah 53. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. And he was seen by Cephas, that's another name for the apostle Peter, Cephas, then by the twelve, and after that he was seen uh, by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, that's the present of the writing of this, 
but some have fallen asleep. So some of them had died, some of them were, but the vast majority of that 500 were still alive at this time. It says, after that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also. This is the apostle Paul. As one born out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles whom am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and by his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. So how does salvation come? By the preaching, by the believing, all right? Now, if Christ is preached that he, he had, uh, has been risen from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? You say, really? There are, there are church people that will say that? Absolutely. Church leadership says this. It started back in the 1920s with what is called the uh, modernism. And it says, you know, it, it's... This is just a spiritual thing that there's no physical component and Jesus really didn't raise from the dead. I've had pastors tell me that. Now, they are in the minority. But I'm saying what Paul says here still applies. How say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. That's what they say. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we testify of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. Verse 18. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Uh, the old King James says, the most miserable. <laughs> I, I sort of like that one. <laughs> Verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead 
and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. May God add his blessing to the reading of this wonderful word. Let's pray a little bit. Father in heaven, we thank you, Father, for uh, this opportunity to declare the wonderful things of your word. And Father, we pray that... uh, We just don't like water off a duck's back, Lord, that we're not that way. But that your word not only soaks in, but that, Lord, that your word penetrates. Yeah, down into that part where otherwise it would not go. We thank you, Lord, for the reality of the empty tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just not the empty tomb of anybody. It's the empty tomb of the Savior, of the Redeemer, of the one with whom we have to do. And we marvel, Father in heaven, that this is all your plan and your doing. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, we say that now in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse uh, 17, and I'm going to, so I'm going to list what? 10 things, 10 things that I see in a number of passages, starting here with 1 Corinthians 15 and then going back into Romans. Um, How things, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, how your life and my life would be so absolutely different. That empty tomb has everything to do with who we are as believers, Christians today. (laughs) How would it be different? Well, look at verse 17. It says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. Uh, The old King James word there is vain, empty, worthless, hopeless. Yeah, why even try? Your faith, you know, you have, everybody has faith. Hey, even even the, uh, what do they call them? The uh, uh, global climate change people, they have faith that what they think is going to happen with the weather will all necessarily happen the way they think it's going to happen. And by 2022, uh, there's going to be no grass left, I heard one guy say. That's a quote. He he said it's, it's going to be so hot, it'll burn off all the grass in the whole world. I'll tell you what, he's got more faith for that than I do for for the Lord. You know, I go, uh, I don't think so. You know, could he be right? Well, 
<laughs> Could he be right? He has faith. Everybody has faith in something or somebody. Why, why is the hand of God being taken away from governments? What I dreamed about this in the middle, in the few short hours I I slept last night, I dreamed about this. God takes His hand away, and He says, "If you believe that your redemption, salvation, help comes from the government, you're going to have to discover that that government is inadequate. That government is not God." Now, that's what they thought of Hitler. They actually prayed to Hitler. I, I have found this in print. They treat him as a god. They had to discover he was not God. And we must discover what does not work. And so if you're real disappointed in the government right now, well, maybe, you know, maybe God is in this in some way. And if God didn't cause this to happen, maybe, maybe just God has said, oh, hey, now's a good time. And where are you going to put your trust? Uh, well, don't put it in the IRS and don't put it in, <laughs> you can make a long list here. Don't put it in the FBI and don't, don't put it in the CIA and don't put it in, you know, should we look at It's not that we don't honor and respect those in government because the Bible teaches us that. But it never says treat Caesar as though he's God because he's not. And this government will never be God unto the people. And when people are so desperate for something God-like, where are they going to go? Well, you know, government is one place. And, and that's where, you know, these atheistic regimes, you know, is ours an atheistic regime? Well, some would say. But there's governments that, that you know, communist China, they're just going to have to discover their government is not God either. And so you expect it sooner or later for there to be massive failure. And the, for, for circumstance, you know, and there's a lot in the book of Revelation about this. You know, as we're waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the true, the true Lord, the true Savior, the true Redeemer, the true God and Father coming for his people. You know, we're waiting and all this stuff happens. Don't be surprised with with uh, human activity for it to fail. <laughs> because what people are ha- people's faith ends up futile in vain. But it's saying if Jesus rose from the dead, our faith is not in vain. <laughs> That's point number one. Our faith is not in vain. Our faith is not empty. Look at the next phrase. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You, 
you are yet in your sins. So if Christ is still dead, you are still in your sins. Well, flip that. And that's marvelous. Suddenly you realize if Jesus is alive, he is alive. But if he is alive, then I'm not perpetually forever condemned to just be in sin and just to be a sinner and no way out. The fact that Jesus is alive means there is an exit from the sinner thing. He is the way out of sin into righteousness. And you get you get the righteous one and he will, you know what? From the inside out, more important on the inside than on the outside, he works the righteousness, goodness, uprightness of God from the inside out. He will, he will work that in you and through you and out of you. Number three, verse 18 says, then there are those, uh, yeah, he says, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. So if Jesus is still in the grave, and my parents, my grandparents, my parents-in-law, the ones I just put in the bulletin, Terry and, Terry and, um, Larry Farman, they're perished. If Christ is dead, but if he's alive, I tell you, I'm going to see my grandparents again. They were believers. I'm going to see my parents again. They were believers. There's... I probably have had over 400 funerals, folks. Folks I do personally. I'm going to see them again, the ones that believed. i tell you what. That's a big, big, big difference. For us, on a day like this, to say, because Jesus is alive, the ones who have passed on are not perished if they were in Christ. Those we know who were in Christ when they died have not perished, number three. Number four, look at verse 19. It says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most and it's a difficult word to translate. It, uh, the New King James says pitiable. Uh, the Old King James says miserable. <laughs> it's, we're not in a good place. If we only have hope in this life. Oh, you know, believe in Jesus. You know, just pretend like he arose. From, that's, there's one of these guys said to me, you know, when I get to Easter, he says, we're just pretending. I go, no, we're not just pretending. This is real. 
if we're just pretending we're, we're making hope just for this life. But I'll tell you, the hope is not just this life. Is it for this life? Oh, yeah. Is it just for this life? No, it's not just for this life. We have hope in Christ both for this life and for the life to come. At most, the misery or the, uh, the pitiableness <laughs> at most is just temporary in this life. Anybody here ever be miserable besides me? You want to hear about all my miseries. And it's not my wife. She's my help. <laughs> Some people, yeah, well, you know, so one I'm married to. No, 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 no. It would be way worse. No. <laughs> uh, whatever misery, whatever pitiableness we have, it's only for a little while. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits. What's first fruits? First means, so if you got something first, what, do you, what else has you got? If you got something first, you probably at least got something second. If you got something first, you got something that's last. If you got something first, there's something coming after it. If Jesus, it, in his resurrection, is the first fruits, then down the line, here comes all the rest of it. He's the first. Who else? Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of a great resurrection. So, get in line. Your turn is coming. He's the first fruits. Who else? Those who believe. What, what do you what do you have to what do you have to uh, be? What do you have to be to be resurrected? Before you can anybody want to be resurrected? Oh, I do. <laughs> You know what you have to do to be, to qualify for resurrection? You have to be dead first. <laughs> yeah, and that's the part we don't like so much. But you know what? He says, yeah, and even in the dying is the hand of God. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Anyway, get in line, your turn for resurrection is coming, and that is uh, verse 20, and that's number five. Number six, verse 22, it says, for as in Adam all die, as in Adam, look at that, as in Adam all die. In fact, the tense, really what the tense is going on here is, that in Adam, we're all dead. Yeah, and it was said earlier today. Yeah, well, we, we think we're alive. 
without Christ, I'm really uh, not a whole lot more alive than that, that front pew up here is an alive tree. What would it take for that pew to really be alive? Well, it would take, it would take a resurrection because it's, it's dead. That pew is dead. It's wood. It was living. But now what is it? It's dead. And so in Adam, we, we, we inherit this deadness. We didn't even realize how dead we are until real life comes along. And, and some people make this just about the physical where the dimension of life is, is way more than just the physical part. In fact, your physical part is, just, is really the minor part, the small part. The bigger part of life is the reality of the life of Christ being in us, transforming us, converting us. What other words can I use? And he brings into us what? A life that was, it was not there before. A new life. As an Adam all die, and then the rest of the verse says, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And here's the point, point number six. In Christ, all shall be alive with his life. He is the resurrection life. And some people are waiting for resurrection more, what, sometime in the future and they stick my body in the grave and then I come out of the grave and then and that's all resurrection. No, 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 resurrection starts before then. Resurrection starts when? As soon as the new life comes to the dead place. And that can be in my brain. That can be in my, the deepest soul and my deepest spirit. You know, if that, it, if he comes to the dead place, there's resurrection, new life in a dead place. Let's turn back to, uh, and I'm going back to Romans, picking up some, some passages in Romans, and these are all resurrection passages. Romans chapter 6, a couple verses there. Would you turn there? Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Romans 6, 3 and 4. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 says, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Who, who, who gets resurrected? The ones that are dead. So we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised, there he is, Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we, that's you dear, you and me, that we should walk in newness, brand spanking new. 
in newness of life. Point number seven, he died for our sins. We were baptized to his death for our sins. Wages of sin is what? Death. He died on the cross for our sins. In the very... Oh, this is tough to get across. Holy Spirit, help. In the very same way that that's true, in the very same way he came back to life so that we can walk in newness of life. We can walk in that new life. We can live in that new life. Now that should be not just the extraordinary Christian life. That should be the normal Christian life. Turn to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. A couple of them here. Romans chapter 8 and, and uh, verse 10 and 11. If your body hurts, this may be encouragement to you. <laughs> If you got loved ones that are struggling with things, this may be a help. Romans 8 verse 10 says, and if Christ is in you, if, 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 if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Okay, yeah, the wages of sin is death. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, who's that? That's our heavenly father, raised Jesus from the dead. He raised Jesus from the, you see that? Our heavenly father raised Jesus from the dead. If that spirit dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to what? Your resurrected body. No, no, no. This is before we even get that far. Will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So, if I'm living in the Lord and I'm walking with the Lord and the Lord is in my life, one of the things I can expect, I think this is true even when I get older, <laughs> hey, somebody wants no big deal. I might live to be 102. That means I got a lot of time left. Well, I might not, but maybe I will. What this is saying is that my mortal body, which, you know, I, and I got this lump thing over here, and, you know, and, and, and can, can you do that? Point to things in your body is just not quite right. <laughs> Now you say, to what? The Spirit of God is greater than all of this. And, and I'm not going to quit going to the doctor, but I'll tell you there's somebody way greater than my doctor. Bless her soul. Lord, just bless her today. This Holy Spirit, the the one who raised Jesus from the dead, 
quickens, gives new life to this mortal body. And how, however, my, my mortal body does not want to cooperate 